Welcome to Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. In this edition, the final installment as we take you inside our annual music ministry workshop. The topic, The Great Commission and the Digital Age, taught by bassist and minister, Yuha Anturi. Everybody, we shall start right away uh, session three, and the title of this workshop, The Great Commission in a Digital World. So we'll be talking about those two things and how they tie in together on the 21st century. The Great Commission, which is, of course, based on the scripture, and we're going to be talking about those scriptures a little bit, because it's not really up to us to decide what to do as a church. It's something that uh, God has decided a long time ago, and it ha has entrusted to us as a church to fulfill and remain faithful to that calling that God has given and that has been on the heart of God uh, since the beginning of time. And then, of course, we want to talk about today how we can go about fulfilling that mission, that great commission that he has given to us in a digital world. Let's start with the great commission. Uh, so these are the scriptures, and I'm not going to read all of them, but you'll find this, basically the concept of great commission repeated uh, in all the four gospels by Matthew, uh, uh, Mark, and Luke, and John. In slightly different words, but the same concept is there. And you can just write down those verses in your notebook and then go back to them and, and look at them on your own time. And uh, Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 to 20, and then Mark 16, 
verses 15 to 18, Luke 24, verses 46 to 49, John 20, verses 20 and 21, and Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So why, why do we talk about this, and what is the Great Commission? And let me say this before going any further. The Great Commission is really God's mission. It's about what God is doing in this world. And God only gave one mission or one commission to his church. He didn't give one mission to the music ministry and another to the missions department. In fact, he didn't even start any departments. He just established the church. And man invented departments and comedies and so on. And, you know, I'm not saying they are bad, but they are mostly for reasons of function and practicality. But Jesus just started the church who were the people that received his word and became his followers. And then he entrusted them with the work that he began to carry it out from generation to generation until he comes back. And that plan has always been the same. And so, you know, sometimes we can think, you know, well, mission, why are we even talking about mission? This is a music workshop. But every department or ministry of the church needs to have an understanding of the big picture of what in the world is God doing in the world. Because he has communicated it to us. He has not left us in dark about what his intentions or plans are in this world. Uh, It can sometimes seem so confusing when you're trying to make sense of what's happening in the world. But if you have the big picture and an understanding of what God is doing, it will make a lot more sense and help you steer through all the confusion in this world when you keep your mind focused on what God is doing. Because His plan will succeed. It will never fail. God never lied. Everything He says He's going to do, He will do. But the great thing about this is that He's not going to do it by Himself. He has offered an invitation for you and me to partake and be partakers and be co-workers with him, co-workers with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the commission is so great that it would be impossible for us to do it in our own human ability, wisdom, and strength. But thank God he did not leave us as orphans. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be his representative, really to be what Jesus was to the disciples, and we thank God for that. But why do we call it the Great Commission? Let me just uh, give you a few thoughts. Because God is great, and he's the author, and it is his mission. And that alone is a reason to call it the Great Commission. And it is co-mission. It is something where we partner with him. He gives us the guidelines and how we go about it, and he provides the strength. But he wants to use us to accomplish his purposes. And secondly, because it was the final command of Jesus before his ascension to heaven. You know that anybody who is about to depart from this life if they know that soon they're not going to see their loved ones anymore and they gather everybody on their bedside, they want to make sure that they say something meaningful, something really important as their last words. A testament, in other words, uh, which expresses their desires about how, for example, their inheritance is to be used, things like that. Usually they are written down in a testament or a will. We call it the will. And this, in, in other words, was Jesus's last will or testament. That, that's the meaning, basically, of testament, uh, a covenant or a will. What he wants us to do 
with the work that he began because he entrusted it to the church. And it was his final words uh, just prior to going back to the Father. And then, like I said, it is repeated in all of these four Gospels and the book of Acts. Would have been enough to say it once, but every Gospel writer wanted to say it, make sure that it is there and clearly communicated to us so that we would not drift to the left or to the right from what he set out to do, that we would stay faithful to that calling until the end of time. Also, it could be called great because it is global in its reach, reaching every nation, language, and ethnic group in the world. God went global long time uh, before McDonald's went global or Coca-Cola went global. God was a global God from the beginning. And uh, we will look at some of the scriptures that show us that exactly. That even before Jesus spoke about the Great Commission, even in the Old Testament, or sometimes we can have this idea that the Old Testament is all about Israel, God's chosen people. And the focus is there in large part. But uh, you will see that there is more to that than that, that God's intention was the same from the beginning. But anyhow, here are the scriptures that uh, we talked about earlier uh, the, that talk about the Great Commission. And you will see clearly how it is global indeed. Just going to mention a few words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, says Matthew. And then Mark writes, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And then Luke writes, repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And then Book of Acts, again, which uh, Luke was the author of, uh, he talks about being his witnesses from Jerusalem, which was the city, and then to Judea, which was the province, the next circle of influence. And then it would just expand from there to Samaria. Uh, and the Samaritans really stand for the people that we don't naturally want to associate with. Uh, they were the unclean, the, a mixed group of people, religiously and ethnically, for the Jews. And so they had a natural dislike for those people. And Jesus wanted to make sure that they don't just skip over Samaria. But it's for them also. And then to the ends of the uttermost ends of the earth. So the whole world and every person, every all creation, uh, is to be included in this mission of God. And let me just point out one word quickly. And it's the word uh, which in the English Bible is uh, translated as nations, because sometimes there can be a misunderstanding of nation being a country. But the Greek word for this really is ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity or ethnic, meaning really people groups. And the, like I said, the Old Testament talks along these same lines. And really one of the key scriptures that really opened up to me personally this whole concept about the plan of God in the world, what he's doing. And when I saw the link between what God said to Abraham in Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and then I saw how it linked with what Jesus was saying to the disciples, the Lord just opened my eyes to see uh, the similarities there and how it was really his plan from the beginning. Now Israel, the chosen people of God, at times were successful uh, many times not so successful in fulfilling this, this uh, promise given to Abraham. But regardless, it was God's intention from the beginning. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he was really building up on the progressive revelation that had started thousands of years ago 
where the prophets, the men, and, the men of God, had spoken about uh, the plan of God over the centuries uh, during the history of God's people. And uh, here is the scripture in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. Basically, Lord appears to Abraham and uh, asks him to go to this land that he will show him. And he pro- gives him promises. He says, I will make you a great nation and uh, I will bless you. Uh, but then after this promise of blessing comes the second part of that, uh, which I really want to f- focus on. Because, you know, naturally we people love to be blessed. And in our time and age, sometimes, you know, you can see it even, even in church, there is this bless me, bless me mentality. And we do need the blessing of God. But that's not the end. The blessing is given for a purpose. The blessing comes with responsibility. And that was... And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, in other words, he was blessed to be a blessing. He was to become a channel of this blessing to the world and to all the peoples of the world. And so when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it was really a continuation and a reminder of what God's intention was from beginning. And like I said, Israel at times was more faithful to this calling, and other times they totally missed it. And uh, actually, a lot of the history of Israel is actually uh, sad to read sometimes, because they, they so totally, completely missed it. But then God would faithfully bring in prophets to turn them back to the original plan of God. Really what this means is that they were to become a missionary people. You read in the Old Testament, we get a glimpse here and there of how this was unfolding. Although the fullness of it didn't come until Jesus came to the earth and showed us the full plan of God. But there were glimpses pointing to this direction all the way throughout the Old Testament. You read during the time of King Solomon, for example, uh, the Queen of Sheba from Ethiopia comes all the way to Israel to hear about the wisdom and the God of Israel who had given King Solomon this great wisdom. And so here is this pagan queen who is attracted by the God of Israel to hear about the wisdom, the revelation that was coming through Solomon. And you, uh, you might remember the Syrian general of the army by the name of Naaman, who was not of the people of Israel, who had a desperate need. He was sick in his body. And then through a testimony of a slave girl from the people of Israel, came to put his trust in the God of Israel. And this mighty general humbled himself and washed himself in the Jordan after some objections. But he put his trust in the God of Israel, who was really the only living God. And uh, so we read about this even in the time of Exodus. If you read the story carefully, you'll see that some of the servants of Pharaoh also hearkened to the words of God's people and sought covering and safety among the people of God. And when the Israelites left, there was actually said that there was a mixed multitude going out with them. They were the people who were not ethnically Jewish or in direct line from Abraham, But they put their faith in God and they were incorporated in the people of God. When we uh, come to the New Testament, Paul makes it very clear that the Abrahamic covenant and the promises and the blessings that came with it are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You can read it in Galatians 
chapter 3, verses 16 and 29, where Paul talks about the fact that the seed that God had given the promise to, physically it was Isaac, but that it was really talking about Christ who would be the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. Now let me just read it to you uh, quickly. Uh, now the promise were spoken to Abraham, to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds in plural, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. So praise God, you and I, through our faith in Jesus Christ, who was that promised seed, we now become co-heirs with Christ of the blessing of Abraham. And that blessing really is salvation. It's really everything that the gospel talks about, the forgiveness of our sins, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and everything that God is is included and captured in that promise given to us. But likewise, it comes with responsibility. We too are to be God's missionary people. So to receive that blessing means to become pregnant with purpose, with God's purpose, to carry within ourselves that hope of glory. Paul said that Christ in you, the hope of glory, and this world has no other hope than the Christ in us that we bring into this dying world. It's TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission, the third session of our annual music ministry workshop, The Great Commission in the Digital Age, taught by Pastor Yuha and Turi. One of the five scripture references to the Great Commission, which he mentioned at the beginning of the session, Acts 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The other references concerning the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Mark 16, verses 15 to 18, Luke 24, verses 46 to 49, John 20, verses 20 and 21. Pastor Yuha saying that, all of these scripture references concern the Great Commission. Uh, they may be worded just a little differently, but the basic premise is the same. We'll have more from Pastor Yuha and Turi on the third installment of our annual music ministry workshop, The Great Commission in the Digital Age, when Music with a Mission continues. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is, God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your hands. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio, where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church. The book of Exodus talks about a very, very dark period in history when it seems that death and darkness were all over the land that was round about the people of God. God's instruction to his people was to gather together inside their homes, bring together their children, some of their friends and perhaps others that were lonely and had nobody that cared about them, to begin to obey him, to get the covering on their house that God was willing to provide for them, and to turn to God in sincerity. That's what prayer is all about. It's really just turning to God with a sincere heart, saying, Lord, we need your strength to get through. We can't do this on our own. And Lord, we can't do it without our friends and our family and our neighbor. God, would you come and would you cover us and give us the hope that you always have given to those who put their future in your hands? It is time to pray. 
To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. For greater things have yet to come and greater TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission as we continue with the final installment of the annual music ministry workshop here at Times Square Church, the third session, The Great Commission in the Digital Age, taught by Pastor Yuha Anturi. Join us now as Pastor Yuha talks about the origin of the church on Music with a Mission. The story of the church is really a fascinating story. We, we read in the book of Acts about how the gospel began to slowly in the beginning advance from Jerusalem. It seems almost they were a little hesitant first to reach out of their comfort zone, so to speak. And uh, Peter even objected when God gave him the revelation, you remember, of all these unclean foods coming down from heaven on a sheet. And he said, Lord, I will never touch that stuff. And uh, I can easily relate to uh, Peter's feeling because I've been to uh, some places where I had to eat some stuff that I would never normally uh, put down uh, into my stomach. But I don't know how many of you, but I've eaten, I've eaten bats. And I've eaten, okay, this is a confession, don't tell anybody. But I've eaten dogs. Because I've been to some places where people like that kind of food. And I know some of you are going to hate me for that for the rest of your lives. But uh, not everybody in this world has the same uh, concept about dogs than we do. For uh, some uh, people in the world, it is just like any animal, like a chicken. When we lived in, uh, in this uh, particular country, and they took me to this restaurant, and on the menu I saw hot dog. So I thought, of course, in New York terms. But it turned out it wasn't at all. Yeah. Literally. Literally. And the hot was, was not for temperature. It was for chili. And sometimes they would call it a scoopy-doo. But, you know, um, and then they, uh, another item in the menu was uh, Batman. And you already know what that was. Okay, you, uh, you'll laugh about it, but now you feel a little bit of what Peter was feeling. You know, because he, he would never touch that stuff. But God wanted to teach him a lesson and said, you know, what God has sanctified, never call that unholy or unclean. And it was a new dimension, era, that they were entering into where 
the door to salvation was freely open to anybody, regardless of your ethnicity, religion, background, who would just believe in the name of Jesus. Who would just call on the name of Jesus would be saved. And we live in that time period. And the church's history is really a history of missions. It's really a history of the kingdom of God advancing through the lives of men and women who surrendered their lives to the cause of Christ, regardless of the price. And did they pay a price? They did. Many of them shed their blood and became martyrs for the sake of Christ. Especially the first 200 years of church history was really amazing advancement of Christianity from a small group of believers and how in 200 years the gospel and the, that Christianity was already on every corner of the Roman Empire because men and women were willing to lay their lives down. And there were some great persecutions. Caesar Nero and uh, some other Caesars uh, really targeted the Christians and slaughtered them and did their uttermost to get rid of this sect who refused to worship Caesar because there was an emperor worship cult and uh, they just said Jesus is Lord we're not going to bow down before any other Lord and Caesar was called the Lord in those days but they refused to compromise they paid a heavy price but regardless God honored their sacrifices and the gospel just kept on advancing and uh, today Let's not forget that the same is still true, although here we enjoy uh, great freedom in America and most Western countries, but in many other parts of the world, people, believers, are still paying a heavy price, are in prison for their faith. In fact, missiologists say that never in the history of the world before has there been such a great number of martyrs as today in the age in which we live today. But the gospel is still advancing because why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's nothing that can stop the power of the Holy Spirit through the church in this world. And now we're going to just skip through the church history. I don't want to put you to sleep. Because some people hear the word history and they already start snoring. But it's really a fascinating story. Uh, I love history personally. It gives me an understanding where we as the people of God are coming from. And uh, Pastor Carter said some months ago, he said, if we don't understand where we're coming from, we don't know where we are going. shall turn their hearts to the right it's a story of truth a story of mercy a story of peace and of life peace and light oh oh oh, oh. we a message to give to the nations that the lord who reigneth sent us a son to save us and show us that God he is love God is love
So we need to understand where we are coming from. I could talk about the current state of the Great Commission, maybe just a few words. The world population is now close to 7 billion. Uh, there's about 2 billion that are considered Christian, but this includes all Christians, those who are nominally Christian also. So that's about 30% of world population. There's still 70% of the total world population that is non-Christian. So there's a lot of work to do. I'm just going to scan through these, uh, talking about unreached people groups and the 1040 window. But if you are interested in mission, you will hear about those terms over and over again. Because in the recent history, there's been a great focus on the unreached people groups. Because people who were studying about these things, they started to really do some research. And they found out that there are still people groups that have been ignored largely. And they are still living in darkness and there's not much that is happening to make sure that they will have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, I thank God that there has been this renewed effort to, to reach out to the unreached people groups. There are about 12,000 people groups in the world, and 6,000, they say 6,900 of those are still considered unreached, which means basically that there is less than 2% evangelical or born-again Christians among, among those people groups. Uh, the 1040 window, maybe anybody heard that term, 1040 window? Quite a few of you, okay. So that's the geographical area in this part of the world where most of the unreached peoples of the world are located. Covers northern Africa, Middle East, and then moving on to East, Far East, uh, countries like India and China with the uh, largest populations of the world, both uh, over one billion, and India is soon to surpass China in population. And uh, all the major religious blocks like Islam and Buddhism and Hindu Hinduism ha have a really strong hold into these areas. Anyhow, let's just keep that in mind and let's not forget about reaching out to the unreached. But let me just encourage you with this one verse, because as Christian believers in that the Bible is inspired word of God, we can know the future ahead of time. Thank God for that, because otherwise it can get kind of overwhelming, you know. We can feel like the disciples, what can we do? You know, or the little boy with so little to give, the fish, few fish and, and bread, how can this feed such a multitude? But when we give it to God and we entrust it to God, he multiplies it and he makes those miracles still today. But we can know the future. And uh, this is uh, such a wonderful scripture in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. talks about the end and the fulfillment of great commission. So it's not something like we have to wonder about if this is going to happen. It will happen because God's cause will always prevail and succeed. He has no history of failure, and he will never, never fail. And it says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They cried out in a loud voice, 
salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is really where mission and worship join together because this is the end of mission. On this day, there's no more need for missionaries. There's no more need for evangelism because the work is done and complete. But we will still continue to worship God for all of eternity. So really, worship is the ultimate end of missions. Missions leads to worship. It's not an end in itself. It's means to an end. The activity of the church or the ministry of the church to reach out to those who don't know God, to bring them in as a harvest into the house of God or into the people of God. And uh, let's not forget this big picture. Even when you're singing on the stage over there, sometimes it's easy just to look at what you see in the natural and the, the, the same people. And thank God in this church there's always new people too, but you can get limited by the vision, your natural vision. But today God has given us some amazing tools that we can reach beyond that immediate circle of influence that we have through technology While standing here in New York, we can proclaim the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And I'm not saying technology is the only way. We still need missionaries who are willing to go out there actually and put their lives on risk. But it is one of the ways, and there's no doubt in my heart, that is one of the very important ways that God is using to uh, advance his kingdom. God is doing amazing things throughout the world using technology. And there are these windows and opportunities throughout the history. For Martin Luther, the great reformer, it was the invention of the printing press that really greatly advanced his ministry, and he was able to duplicate his messages and spread them around Europe uh, 500 years ago. For Paul, it was the Roman road network system that enabled Paul and the other apostles to travel across the Roman Empire. And now we are living in the time when God has allowed these men like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates to then to develop these technologies like the personal computer and then the fiber optics were put under on the seabed. Everything is so interconnected. And there is this digital highway, and we want to be part of what God is doing here at Times Square Church and through the music ministry to advance the kingdom of God. Take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We at TSC Music sincerely pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. And we hope you'll carry what you've learned here into your own life, because music with a mission doesn't end here. We also hope you'll join the ongoing conversation online. Let us know what music with a mission means to you. Check out TSC Music on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet. There you'll get a sneak peek of what's coming up on the podcast and you can follow our live conversations and feeds. On Twitter, just use the hashtag MWMPodcast to post your comments and questions for our guests. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Next week on Music with a Mission, we'll catch up with Sammy Levine of Redeem the City. He's a young multimedia journalist whose mission is to share the good news of what God is doing in New York City. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Derek Davis. Join us next time on Music with a Mission.